going through the Still Standing series. Oh, by the way, if you don't know who I am, I'm Jay. I'm, a, I'm part of the team at Activate. Um, I'm excited to share what I felt God has placed on my heart. And, and we're going to have a bit of fun, really, tonight. Um, I just... I'm doing something actually that is quite different for me. You know, I'm naturally wired in an evangelistic way. And so God usually reveals something to me and it challenges me. And so I want to extend that challenge to other people. Uh, and tonight I just felt God saying, I want you to read some scripture. <laughs> except, except it's really going to be a paraphrase of scripture, but it'll be fun. So, yeah, so uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis 37, and we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph. Who knows the story of Joseph? Come on, many of us know the story of Joseph, so you'll be able to follow along well. And uh, I just want to unpack some things from the story of Joseph that I feel like Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. And in fact, the songs that we've sung have literally preached the sermon I'm about to preach. Uh, it's just, it's really, really amazing. There's a prophetic theme and even um, Kayla's uh, communion message. Uh, and I'm really excited to share this. So, so Genesis 37, we see the story of Joseph and uh, it starts off with this guy named Joseph and he gets a dream and the dream in it, he, he has his brothers in front of him and they're bowing at his feet. It's a dream of significant leadership. And so he's got this dream. And what does he do? He goes and starts bragging to his family about it. He starts bragging to his family about it. And then he starts putting his brothers down. And then we see in verse 2 that he goes to his father and he tells on his brothers he goes, hey, my brothers are doing some really bad things. And so he's telling on his brothers. And uh, we see right from the start of the story that if Joseph's dream was to be fulfilled right then and there, and he were to step into significant leadership, he's probably not going to be a great leader. Because at that point, Joseph is a tattletale. He's a bragger. And he's someone who puts others down. And so, obviously, God has got this dream that he's wanting to fulfill, but Joseph isn't in the place yet to fulfill it. And so, fast forward, Joseph's brothers are angry with him. We all know the story. They throw him into a pit. He gets sold into slavery. That's not a good day. <laughs> and so he gets sold into slavery. He gets sold into slavery of one of the officers of the king's house, and his name was Potiphar. And uh, what happens there is we basically fast forward 10 years. Just stop there. Think about that. 10 years. Just, that is a long time. Anybody else agree with that? Think 10 years ago in your life. Just, I'll let you just think about that. That's a long time. And so he's been in slavery for 10 years. And so what happens after that is uh, basically Potiphar's wife comes along. We all know the part. You know, we actually, we actually don't understand what Joseph's brothers did to him. We look at it and go, oh, his brothers just betrayed him, threw him in a pit. He was sold, sold to slavery. But actually back in that day, what they did to him was considered worse than killing him. Because back in the day... Back in the day, uh, we're in those days, let's say it that way, 
the greatest thing, the most important thing for a young man such as Joseph was to inherit their father's name and the inheritance. It was the biggest thing. It was everything. And so they didn't just sell him to slavery, but they stripped him away from his name and his inheritance. So it's massive. It's a massive deal. And uh, what happens next is we see that Potiphar's wife comes along and starts tempting him. In the Bible, it doesn't say just once. It doesn't say just twice. It says every day. Every single day, Potiphar's wife is coming along trying to get a little bit down and dirty with Joseph. And so, I'm allowed to say that. I said it, so... Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's not, it's a yeah, paraphrase. And so anyway, he's, she's coming along and he is being obedient, which is amazing. You know, when you think about it, Joseph is incredibly strong in that moment. Joseph didn't have an activate group. He didn't. He didn't have YouTube. He didn't have podcasts. He didn't have resources on how to overcome temptation, but he did have the fear of God. And he displayed that. It says uh, in Philippians 2.12, it says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. You know, it's, fear of God is a concept that I feel like many Christians don't understand too much. And we hear the fear of God and we go, what? Fearing God? Fearing God isn't being scared of God. It's being terrified of being away from him. That's what the fear of God is. And, and, and Joseph displays that in here. And in Philippians 2.12, that scripture, you know, it says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. It is one thing to obey God in an atmosphere like this. That's one thing. But do we obey him outside of these walls? Do we obey him from Monday to Saturday? I'll let you decide that one. So we got Joseph here. He's been sold into slavery. He's been there for 10 years. He's got part of his wife trying to get with him. Things aren't looking very good. What happens is part of his wife, she knows what she's doing. In verse 11, it says that they were alone. And so she tries to get up in his business. And she says, it's you and me, baby. Let's do this. Paraphrase. (laughs) And so she tries to do it. What happens? Come on, you know the story. He gets it. (laughs) He runs. And so he runs away. She grabs him by the robe. It tears off. He continues running And then she accuses him of rape. Joseph has been betrayed by his own brothers. He's been thrown in a pit, sold to slavery. He's got his boss's wife now trying to get with him. And now he's been accused of rape. Things aren't looking good. 
Now he gets thrown into prison. He gets thrown into prison. Prison back in that day is not how we know it these days. You know, prison back in that day, actually, I did some research, and scholars say that it was usually bedrock, which makes sense. So it was bedrock on the ground, no mattresses, no pillows. It was damp. It was underground. There was no sunlight. And it was four feet tall on average. Now just imagine that. I did some maths before I did this. Four feet tall is like that tall, like past the pulpit. So imagine you're in prison and you're basically living like this. That sucks. And so here's Joseph in prison. Oh, not only that, just to make it worse, there's no cleaners. You're living in your own ones and twos. You puke, you're, you're living in it. They also had this thing called bread of affliction as well. I, I, I searched this up when I was re, um, reading some stuff. and um, Bread of affliction is basically when they give you just enough bread and just enough water for you to barely live. So prison's not a good time back then. Well, it's not now. but So he's in prison. He's going through this. Two men come to prison. We know how it goes. A butler and a baker. They have dreams and they're shaken by them. They're wanting them to be interpreted. And so Joseph interprets the dreams. I, I don't know about you, but in his situation, I probably wouldn't have done that. Just put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He had a dream that he was incredibly excited about. He got thrown in a pit. He got sold to slavery. Ten years later, now the boss's wife is trying to get with him. He gets accused of rape. He's now in prison, which is not a good place, four feet tall. And on top of that, there's now these two guys saying, hey, can you interpret my dream? If I was him, I'd be going, I once had a dream. They don't come true. Get away from me. Like, Leave me alone. And they're coming to him, and what does he do? He interprets the dream. I believe that this was actually one of the greatest tests, if not the greatest test that Joseph had. Because what was the test? It's whether Joseph could or couldn't proclaim the faithfulness of God even when he hadn't seen it in his own life for 10 years. And so he interpreted the dream. He obeyed. Both dreams came true three days later. The butler was restored to his place. The baker was impaled by a pole. So, not yeah, sucks to be the baker on that day. <clears throat> what Joseph said to the, ba- uh, the butler is he said, don't forget about me. Don't forget. Get me out of here. What happened? He forgot about him. So, two more years go by. Oh my goodness. Imagine being in a four foot cave for another two years. All right. Yep. That's crazy. And then one night, Pharaoh had a dream. He woke up. He was shaken by it. He was desperate to have it interpreted. And his butler goes, 
OMG, I remember this guy named Joseph. And he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. Oh, he interpreted two dreams and I was restored and that's what he said. And this guy got impaled by a pole and that's what he said as well. And so Pharaoh goes, get this guy here immediately. So Joseph gets out of prison. He goes and cleans up. He has a shave. He gets a nice robe put on him and he goes to the king. He interprets the king's dream, seven days of famine, uh, seven days of plenty, seven days of famine. And in response, come on, God restored Joseph and he was made master of all of the land in Egypt. I want us to do some maths from the story of Joseph. He spent 10 years in slavery. He spent three years in prison. He spent seven years in plenty, and he spent two years in famine. 22 years, and his dream became reality. Here comes the brothers. They come to his feet, and they bow down. The dream became reality. 22 years later, how many of us have received a dream and we get frustrated when it hasn't happened in three months? Oh, just me? Two people on us? Praise God. Come on, we've all received dreams. We've all had visions. We've, we've all had something that we were chasing after. And we got impatient. It's taking too long. And here we see Joseph. 22 years it took to see the dream fulfilled. Not only that, 22 years of slavery, prison, it wasn't good. It was not a fun time. Yet he stayed faithful all the way. Maybe God given you a dream. Maybe he gave you a dream and you gave up on it because it's been taking too long. Come on, maybe you need to pick it up tonight. Come on, it took 22 years for Joseph. 22 years. Uh, this is what Joseph's life shows me. It shows me that no one, no organization, no scheme, no demon, nothing can take us away from our destiny. The only thing that can take us away from our destiny is us. The only one that can take you away from your destiny is you. The only one who can take me away from my destiny is me. Think about it. He's in prison. What if he chose to do what I might have done and he didn't interpret the dreams? Then Pharaoh would have never known about him and he never would have been restored and a dream wouldn't have come. The only person who can stop our destiny from happening is us. And no matter what life looks like, are we choosing to partner with God, keep the faith, and believe in his promises? Are we choosing to do that? We see a very, very similar story in Job. It says in Job 23, verse 8 to 9, I think Kit's going to put it on the screen. Thanks, Kit. It says, I go east, but he is not there. I go west but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north where he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. See, God says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? 
Come on, a few of us believe that tonight. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The thing is that Job just couldn't perceive it. Job just couldn't perceive him. Even though God was working on his behalf, Job couldn't perceive him working on his behalf. We jump to verse 10 and it says, but he knows where I am going. How does he know where are we going? Because it's his plan. It's his purpose for our life. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure God. Gold. That's heresy, like 100%. No one here is called to be God. I apologize for that. I repent. Yeah. Amen. We move on. As pure as gold. In the Western world, we have a real stigma for tests. When we hear the word test, wait, hold on. Can Put your hand up if you like tests. There we go. Pro- proves my point. Praise Jesus. I'm glad, I'm glad no one did put their hands up. I was going to call them weird, so. Oh, Monique. Yeah, okay. Well, Monique likes tests. But there is a stigma for tests overall, right? We hear tests, I don't know if it's our experience from school or uni or whatever, but we don't look forward to tests. Am I right? I mean, I can tell you, I never looked forward for tests. And the thing is with tests, I'm actually glad they're a thing. Because a couple of weeks ago, I flew to Wellington, and I am so glad the pilot passed the test. Otherwise, I'm in the bottom of the ocean right now. Yeah? The thing is with tests, there is a stigma on them. But all that tests do is they reveal what is already in us. That's what tests do. And so here we've got the scripture, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. And what God is saying is, I know what's in your heart, but I want you to know what's in your heart. And that's why he doesn't just test us for the sake of testing us. There is a real reason behind it. And it's because he wants us to know what we're carrying in our heart. If we look further into that, it says, and I will come out as pure as gold. If anyone knows how pure gold is formed, what happens, it gets heated to extreme temperatures, and in the process, all impurities come to the surface. They take out all of the impurities, and what's left is pure gold. And so what God is saying is, come on, I'm going to test you so that impurities come to the surface. We can get rid of those, and you're going to be pure gold. Uh, Not only that, but pure gold, it has a counterfeit, brass. They look the same at the eye, but what's the difference? Pure gold does not tarnish. It does not change color. I, I was so challenged by Pastor Sheridan's message the other morning uh, when, he, when he was talking about, are we the real deal or are we fakes? I was challenged. And, and, I, and I was listening to it. And when I read the scripture, I was just thinking of that. And how can we tell whether we're the real deal and living in the calling of God or whether we're fakes? Is when we walk through tests... Are you tarnished or are you not? Are you tarnished by the atmosphere of the world or are you not? 
And there's a, there's a real good indication of whether, man, I need, I need to work on something here or whether, come on, I'm walking in the calling of God. Because when we walk in the calling of God and he tests us, we will come out as pure as gold. Are you with me? We actually see this again in Scripture, and, and it says in First Peter 1, 6-7, it says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Come on. If you're going, why are you testing me, God? He's doing it because he loves you. And he wants to get all the impurities to the surface and get them away so that we can live our life in the calling of God as pure as gold. We see in Joseph's life and in Job's life, they had every excuse naturally to turn their backs on God. Come on, on, think about it. Joseph had a promise and he was so excited about it. It's an amazing dream. And for 22 years, he didn't see it take place. 22 years is a long time to hold on to a promise, to hold on to a dream. In my mind, he had every right naturally to turn his back and go, you know what, it's not happening. And yet he stayed there. He went through every test and he stayed faithful to God. And come on, he came out as pure as gold. The dream was fulfilled in Jesus' name. Job 23, 11 to 12, continuing in the Job passage. For I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. Come on, is that our life? I have not departed from his commands, but I have treasured his words more than daily food. I've got a challenge to extend to each one of us. Who likes fasting? Oh, wow. Shoot, no hands. This is good then. I encourage you, everyone in here, for four months, have one meal a week. It has to be a light meal. And it has to be on a Sunday. And then once a month, you get to have a light snack on a Tuesday night. If you did that, how would your body react? I don't know about me. I don't know if it's because I'm big, but man, I'd hate that. I'd be screaming on the inside. It would be terrible. I'd be weak. I'd be cranky. Oh, man, I would just not enjoy that one bit. Yet so many of us can find ourselves in places where this is how we feed our spirits. We feed ourselves once a week with a light meal on a Sunday. Once a month on a Tuesday at prayer gathering, we go and get a light snack. And we go throughout our day. Come on, I I can find myself living like this if I'm not careful. And what it says in Job, it says, I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. If we want to get through the tough times, 
if we want to get through the tough seasons, because who knows that life happens. Come on, it's not it's not God causing bad things to happen. Life happens. We go through them, but how we go through them, we can choose. And so, come on, how are we doing it? Are we staying faithful to God? Are we, are we choosing to put our trust in Him? Come on, we just sang about that. Have we got our eyes turned towards Him? Or do we go through those tough times and just get a meal every now and then? Uh, I don't think we'll make it to the other side of a lot of tough times if that's how we live. I don't know if we'll still be standing. Come on, our series. If we want to still be standing, come on, we need to be more than just Sunday Christians. We need to be way more. But we need to be seeking God Monday to Sunday. Come on, we need to be having a substantial, healthy diet. We need to be having the meat, the veggies, the, the rice and everything. Yeah, and dessert. Yeah, why not? Why not? Give yourself a little bit more of Jesus. He won't care. He will, yeah, yeah. Come on, we, we need to be living that life if we want to still be standing. Come on, Job and Joseph, they kept the faith. They held on to the promises. And how did they do that? It's because they had an intimate relationship with God, not just a Sunday church relationship with Jesus. When life happens, when struggle comes, when tough seasons take place, don't lose hope. God is with us. Amen. God is with us. He's got us. Just like Joseph, whether we've been in the valley for one day, whether we've been in the valley for 22 years, we've got to keep our eyes on him. He loves us. He's got plans and purposes for our life that he will fulfill if we stay faithful. Come on, there's no doubt whether he will stay faithful, but will we? No matter what life looks like, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He never will. I just want to create a quick opportunity for some people to respond tonight. I'm so encouraged by Joseph, just the way that he diligently continued to be obedient and to be faithful to God, even when life was really tough, even when he was sold into slavery by his own family, even when he lost his inheritance and lost his family name, even when he was literally building somebody else's legacy for them in slavery, even when he was in prison, living in a four-foot dungeon, living in his own waste. Come on, through all of that, he stayed faithful. He stayed obedient. I feel like so many times I hear people say, oh man, the church offended me. So I'm, 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 gonna, I'm not going to come anymore. What? <laughs> Do you know what Joseph went through? And he stayed obedient? <laughs> Do you know what Joseph went through and he stayed faithful? Do you know what Job went through? Come on. Uh, are we staying strong in our faith through the tough times? Are we staying strong and keeping the faith when life doesn't look great?
Or are we turning our back on God? You see, He's got a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, greater than we could ever imagine. Who, come on, who believes that? No, come on, we need to respond to that. We, we believe that. And if we believe it, we need to stay faithful to it. Come on, on a tough day, we can't just drop our dream and go, oh, I guess God doesn't care about me. Come on, He's always with us. He's always working on behalf of us, whether we see it or not, just like Job said. And we need to stay faithful and keep His promises. He paid a high price for it.